A shooting spree across central Texas, six dead, two officers shot, multiple crime scenes and the suspected shooter now in custody. Crime scenes ranging from near a high school campus to a busy Austin neighborhood and down I-35 into Bear County. The Austin Police Department is investigating a series of violent incidents that began this morning and extended into the evening. Based on information obtained over the course of these investigations, we strongly believe one suspect is responsible for all of the incidents. The suspect now being charged with capital murder after a day of violence and terror in the heart of Texas. And new overnight, we know that suspect has been booked in the Travis County Jail. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tom Miller. Good morning. I'm Sally this We have a lot to get to this morning. Sources have been telling us the suspect is 34-year-old Shane James. And last night, Austin police did not name him. They didn't take any kind of questions. But we do know jail records this morning show a man matching that name was booked into the Travis County Jail at 1.30 this morning. And he is charged with capital murder of multiple people. We are checking his background, trying to get a better understanding of his connection to this. APD arrested the suspect last night in connection to these homicides, multiple separate shootings. And then we also have Bear County Sheriff's Office saying that there was a double homicide that happened there near San Antonio yesterday. That too, likely tied to this one suspect. APD says these attacks happened throughout the entire day yesterday. So let's go through a rundown of exactly what we know, breaking down the timeline for you. First, an Austin officer, a school officer, shot just before 11 o'clock yesterday near Northeast Early College High School. And at noon, two people found dead at a home on Shadywood Drive around five. A cyclist shot. That person is expected to survive near Slaughter Lane. Then around seven, two more people dead and an officer shot, but that officer is expected to make it. This happened near Circle C, and that is where we find KXAN's Dylan McKim live where there is still a crime scene this morning. Good morning, Dylan. Hey, good morning, guys. Yeah, a very active crime scene. Crime scene investigators, the medical examiner's office, all out here continuing this investigation into a very big crime scene that you see behind me. You see how many caution tapes that are lined uh, throughout this street here on Austral Loop. Uh, police, it looks like there are some evidence markers in the street leading up to a house that uh, it's a few houses down behind me. I'll step out of the way to show you. A few houses down behind me. Earlier this morning, investigators had a big spotlight on that side of the house and they appeared to be walking around the uh, backyard and side entrance. So it's about Two hours after the reports that that cyclist was shot near Slaughter Lane, police received a call of a burglary in progress at a home in this area. When an Austin police officer arrived at the home, he found that male suspect in the backyard. A shootout began, and that officer received multiple gunshot wounds. That's according to the interim chief of police. Other officers arrived, and the suspect fled the scene and led police on a chase. He crashed that car about four miles away from here, uh, from where we are right now. The officer involved in the shooting is in stable condition, but unfortunately, two people were found dead inside this home that was being burglarized. Now, the burglary and shootout, this was the last incident of yesterday. Police say the suspect was involved, uh, so those incidents happening throughout the day. A big question is, was the community properly notified of this armed suspect? Interim Chief uh, Robin Henderson did not take any questions at a news conference this morning, but did have this to say. I want to emphasize that APD and other law enforcement did not determine 
that these incidents were connected until the last incident occurred tonight after the male suspect was taken into custody. Now, there is so much more work to do in this investigation. We're going to continue to ask Austin police about whether or not they notified the community members uh, properly throughout these chain of events yesterday. The police officer who was involved in the shooting in this house yesterday, he was wearing a body camera. That will be released in the next 10 days. Guys, we'll send things back to you in the studio. Yeah, Dylan, just a lot to get through and trying to get more information for you because we know before that happened in Circle C where Dylan is live for you in Southwest Austin, there was another crime scene. They say the suspect killed two other people before noon yesterday. 911 got the call, several calls for shots fired. This is the crime scene on Shady Wood Drive. Austin police say a man and a woman died. One neighbor we spoke with was home when they heard the gunshots. Thought I heard something like fireworks or something. Pop, pop, pop. I look outside. Yeah, there's there's police going down the street, and I stepped out and and, and looked down the street, and there's just somebody laying on the on the sidewalk, you know, you know on the curb and sidewalk, you know, and and the policeman's giving him CPR. Now, before that shooting happened, the suspect is accused of shooting an Austin ISD police officer yesterday morning. And so we know classes and the after-school activities at Northeast Early College and International High School in North Austin have been canceled today because of that shooting. We also know that the Austin ISD officer was shot, we're told, in the leg at the um, college, at the early college high school campus off of Highway 290. That officer is expected to be okay. No students were physically harmed in that situation. Now someone inside the school took video of students heading towards the door of the school. The campus initiated what they called a controlled release of the students and that's when officers escort small groups of students from their classrooms and take them over to school buses to get out. Families were then sent to the Delco Activity Center to pick up their kids. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I see the news for another school. This happens, so I'm scared. And I just want to take my girls home. Again, AISD sent a letter to parents informing them that there is no school, no classes at that school because of what happened yesterday. But as we've been talking about, Tom, all morning long, we've been working um, our sources all night long. And what we know also is that all of this started not in Austin, right. but in Bear County in the San Antonio area. The sheriff there says the suspect could be tied to a possible double homicide there. Now, in a briefing last night, the sheriff, his name is Javier Salazar, said Austin law enforcement, they reached out to the deputies and they said, check out this home in that area, but then they wouldn't share details about what the connection might be. Yeah, and when they got to that home, it was a grisly discovery inside. The sheriff saying that when deputies got there, they found two people dead inside. We do have a call into the sheriff's office there trying to get more details on what exactly happened. What we do know is that last night he told reporters when deputies got there, they quote, found one body and then another, two people that are deceased inside the residence. They're people believed to be in their 50s. That's the end of the quote. He went on to say that the suspect in custody here in Austin is a man in his 30s who we have since identified. This violence comes as the U.S. is marking a tragic milestone. The country has broken its mass shooting record. According to data collected by the Washington Post, a pair of mass killings on Sunday marked the 37th and 38th mass shootings of the year. Mass shootings defined as four or more people killed. Last year's record was 36. 
In Dallas, a 21-year-old man shot five people inside a home, killing a toddler and three adults. And in Washington, deputies believe a murder-suicide claimed five family members. The number of people killed in mass shootings this year sits at 197. That does not include the shooters. First warning weather with meteorologist Kristen Curry. Switching gears to weather now, let's start with a live look outside. Taking you up to Williamson County, this is our Iwakubota weather camera there in Georgetown. Clear skies for the most part. We'll get in a little bit more high cloud cover today, but overall it's going to look and feel similar. Temperatures chilly to start, 30s and 40s out there, so be sure to grab that jacket. But do know we'll recover with the sunshine up top. We've got high temperatures climbing above average, taking us to about 70 degrees here in Austin underneath that mainly sunny sky. Coming up in your first morning forecast, a nice stretch of weather through midweek, but a cold front on the way for the weekend, bringing a rain chance, gusty winds, and a drop in temperatures. More on that in your first morning forecast. Thank you, Kristen. And in other news this morning, hundreds of high-level military promotions, why the Senate finally confirmed them. And the ongoing battle to preserve a Texas state park has come to a close, why the state says it's giving up the fight. Good morning. The Senate finally confirmed hundreds of high-level military promotions coming after Senator Tommy Tuberville dropped the bulk of his holds. Yeah, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer took the Senate floor yesterday and read through the promotion nominations one by one and successfully approved all 425 in one large group voice vote. There were no objections to the promotions being approved. Tuberville had been holding up the nominations for months in protest of a Defense Department policy that allows service members to get reimbursements for travel that's related to getting an abortion. It was pretty much a draw. I mean, they didn't get what they wanted, we didn't get what we wanted. And, you know, it's just when, they, when you change the rules, it's hard, to, it's hard to win. And so they changed the NDA rules. We didn't get to fight for it to leave it in the Senate. And so, just unfortunate, the American people didn't get a voice. Tuberville says he's going to continue to block the confirmation, though, of 11 four-star generals. Battling through the rhetoric ahead of this week's important city council vote in Austin, the growing battle for affordable housing and how many houses someone could build on a lot. The unfinished business lawmakers are leaving on the table as the fourth special session of state capitol comes to an end. Good morning. This is a live look up north from Georgetown from our Ewalt Kubota camera. Checking out I-35 traffic flowing nicely at this camera. Sean's going to be here in just a couple of minutes breaking down the traffic throughout Central Texas. First though, protesters took to City Hall this week in Austin as the city works to provide some information about housing changes expected to be voted on Thursday. Yeah, KXAN's Grace Reader breaking down what the home initiative is all about and why some people are against it. City leaders, nonprofits, and other Austin groups gathered in support of the Home Initiative Tuesday. Hi, we support Austin. home. Two days before Austin City Council is expected to take a vote on phase one. And Austin can truly feel like a home for everyone. Brought forward by Austin City Council member Leslie Poole, the initiative is intended to create more affordable housing by changing our land development code. Changes would include allowing three units on lots that right now are only allowed to have one or two, and allowing tiny homes to more easily count as one of those units. There was a woman who was against this who said, workers can just live in Buna. 
Workers can just live in Buda. That's not good enough. But the home initiative has not been without contention. In a rare occurrence, protesters stood outside of Tuesday's news conference asking that the vote Thursday be postponed. We are not against just having more housing and more density. We want that. We need that for our communities. Um, but it needs to be done in a way that won't displace folks. Those protesters are asking for more community engagement and for affordability requirements to be added alongside the zoning change. Those arguments something council member Leslie Poole addressed, saying she too used to be a skeptic of neighborhood density. Well, the world in Austin has changed and now the single family neighborhoods aren't accessible for the middle class anymore. We can't deny this fact and I won't look away from it. Grace Reader, KXAN News. And we also know that Austin City Council member Chito Vela said that a new resolution will be brought forward this month that would help low-income families add additional units to their property. First, though, council's going to have to vote on phase one of that home initiative on Thursday. That's tomorrow. They're expecting a whole lot of people to get out there and talk about it during the public comment period. Going in depth, the new University of Texas at Austin study looked at similar land development code changes in Austin, specifically looking at the lot size adjustments. The study found the changes incentivized the creation of thousands of townhomes. It also found the vast majority of the townhouses built were not built on lots that previously had a single family home on them and were largely built in upper middle class neighborhoods. If things play out as they did in the cities with the successful reforms like Houston or Portland, then I think we can expect that a greater share of denser development on small lots than is currently the case in Austin will take place in more affluent neighborhoods. Meanwhile, that UT expert says say some parts of the country have seen zoning changes flop, including in Minneapolis, where they work to allow more triplexes across the city and then had a judge strike down that change after a lawsuit. Every year since 1927, time has selected the man, woman, group, or concept that had the most influence on the world during the previous 12 months, for better or worse. Yesterday and today it was revealed the shortlist would include Taylor Swift, the Hollywood Strikers, Barbie, the Trump prosecutors, and some others. This morning on Today, Time's Editor-in-Chief Sam Jacobs joining the show for the live reveal of the 2023 Person of the year. I am surprised about two things. I, I thought maybe Elon Musk would have made the list for better yeah. or for worse. Mm -hmm. um, and then also AI. I thought AI was a huge mm. thing that we dealt with this yes. year as far yeah. as like how are we going to go about that and tap That's it. a good point. Yeah. I mean, that would fall into that concept category and right. Sam Altman would be on that list. Yeah. Right. yeah. Taylor Swift. I know. Yeah. Let's go with Taylor. Yeah. Let's have good thoughts. I mean, you can change the world with AI, but Taylor Swift. Yeah. Change Plus the, the range. Yeah. Let me show you what's going on with your forecast here. As far as your Wednesday goes. We're starting clear out there, but we're going to get some of that high cloud cover in through the day today. Uh, it'll filter some of that sunshine, but it's still going to be a nice day. We've got temperatures cold to start in those 30s and 40s, 46 in Austin, 39 Lano, 40 in Fredericksburg. Clearly, clearly, I should say you'd want that jacket to start, but hey, your hike and bike forecast, if you're getting outside this afternoon, it's looking great. 60s by lunch, forecast high, 70 degrees, just a touch cooler than what we had yesterday. Yesterday we topped out at about 73, but as far as December goes, we're really hitting the jackpot here with these afternoon highs well above average, upper 60s to low 70s, no matter where you look here as we get into the afternoon time frame.
All right, what do we got heading our way? Well, cold front still on track for Saturday here. So for tomorrow, we're going to start to see the cloud cover and the winds increase. You really notice it Friday. Friday will go breezy conditions. Cold front moves in through the early part of our Saturday. That's when we have the best chance of rain, but it's still only up 30%. Some spotty showers, isolated storms. Cold front passes. We're left with some strong winds out of the north on Saturday afternoon. So by the time we hit Friday, that southerly wind is actually going to keep us very warm for this time of year. You'll notice the air moving around, but watch as the wind direction shifts out of the north by the time we hit Saturday afternoon evening. That northerly wind is a much cooler wind for us, so you can expect temperatures to drop by the time we hit this weekend. Seven day forecast, low 70s today and tomorrow. Overnight lows will also take a big jump here, courtesy of that southerly wind and more humidity. So we're waking up to low 60s Friday and Saturday morning, but the cold front brings a big change. First will come the winds, then we get the rain chance, and then the cooler temperatures. We trade our 70s for 60s heading into the weekend. Mainly sunny skies by Monday, high seasonable at 65. Sounds good. Thank you, Kristen. The fight over a former state park is over with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department admitting defeat. First told you about the battle over Fairfield Lake State Park back in February and after a lot of back and forth, Parks and Wildlife announced it will no longer try to use eminent domain to acquire the former parkland 70 miles east of Waco. Last month, a special session in a commission determined the value of that 5,000 acre property at more than $418 million. Parks and Wildlife had appraised it at $85 million. As for why the department is backing off, the state says it needs to manage the state's money wisely. The original park was on land the state leased for decades, and the new owner, a Dallas-based developer, plans to turn this land into a luxury community. A live look this morning over downtown Austin and way off in the background, you can see the 40 acres and UT's iconic towers still standing bright nearly 100 years since its construction. It needs a little TLC though. We want that tower to be picture perfect. We want it restored to its original beauty to be a symbol of the great university that we are. UT says it needs some TLC and it produced this video to talk about the need to restore the historic building and keep it shining bright for the next century. The project mainly focuses on the exterior of the tower and main building, including the limestone, masonry, windows, observation deck, clock and other key features. It will cost $26 million to do it, but donors are going to pay a big role, they say, for the project, and there are four ways to do it. We have that for you on our website, kxan.com. This is KXAN Sports, brought to you by Thomas J. Henry. Good morning, all. Remember this emotion, Texas football beating Alabama way back in September? Maybe an afterthought now ahead of the college football playoff, but the Longhorns sure haven't forgotten what that win meant. Things got real after that, of course. I mean, let's go back to Tuscaloosa. What a hostile environment it was, of course, in that night game before conference play. Longhorns learned a lot from that. They'll be the first to tell you how to deal with adversity, things like that. Sark, this is before the SEC championship game where Alabama beat Georgia, called that Texas win in Tuscaloosa the best win in college football this season. Of course, it's a key factor in Texas getting into the college football playoff. And while games like this, of course, could result in a loss, Heck, it did for Alabama, and they still made it in. The Longhorns know it was worth it. You know, going into Alabama um, and winning like we did early in the year is is a hard thing to do, and for us to accomplish that is 
um, you know, awesome on its own, and for it to, to to have worked out in our favor this year has been it's been phenomenal. The confidence definitely grew after that game. You know, knowing not a lot of people could say they go into you know Alabama, go into Tuscaloosa, and you know beat them. Uh, let alone by 10, you know, double-digit points, whatever, 10 points. So that definitely gave us confidence going into the rest of the season. But I think it was great for our team. That that win gave us as much or more confidence than, than anything throughout the season to help us navigate our way through some of those other, other tougher games late in the year because it gave us some more belief uh, in what we were doing. And so there's a lot of value to playing those types of games early in the year. And a congratulations to Texas football legend Derek Johnson inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame a night ago. Also, big game later this evening, Texas men's basketball traveling up to Marquette to face Shaka Smart and the former Texas coaches team, Texas women's basketball hosting Long Beach State as well. That's it for sports. We'll send it back to you. Still ahead for those listening on the KXAN Today podcast, thanks for being with us. This is what we're tracking at 5. A shooting spree across Central Texas leaving six dead. Two officers shot, multiple crime scenes. New information we are getting in this morning.